You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. of someone and someone else added together. What up, baby? <laughs> uh, I, my default is 11 Messier, so I guess we'll go uh, the, cap- the two captains, Messier and Nick Lidstrom. All right, that works. I, I, I'm okay with that. I thought you were going to go, like, 99 and 11, then we were going to be like, all right, well, that's 110, you know. Carry this yeah, add one more. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way. That's the square root of this. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that, that would be great. And how are you, sir? I'm all right. I've been fired up, as you know. We talked about it before we started recording. So we're recording at a little after nine o'clock at night. So usually it's nice and even keel. But at this point, you know, fired up, ready to go. Full of PNV. I love it, baby. Yeah, like if we had a game tonight, we'd be getting uh, some legitimate two five and ten. Oh, I love those two five and tens. I haven't had one in a while. I have one in uh, the Sunday league that I had uh, two Sundays ago, and it's only it's. Uh, street hockey, like we're running around. I got a, I got a five in a game. <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, what's the difference between that and your roller hockey days? I'm just curious. Uh, that's true. I mean, I literally, because my defense partner uh, is a girl, and this guy ran her, so I basically snapped my twig on the back of his back uh, with a cross check, and that got me a five in a game. But now I'm out of stick. But I. I, I held on to my uh, uh, pride. Hey, th- that's all that matters sometimes. Uh, foolish pride, you know? Hold on yeah. to it forever. So, dude, I know that we always look for segues, but holding on forever. Jumbo Joe in Florida. Uh, I heard afterwards, you know, Jumbo Joe being the personality that he is, he breaks out, uh, you know, to give me more time to look for a retirement home down there, which, you know, I, I get a good kick out of. But I will say for the for the Florida Panthers, I think that's a huge pickup. I, I think that alters their outlook. Obviously, output from Jumbo Joe at this point in his career is not going to be much or things like that. But they signed Bennett to that extension. They bring back Duclair. Now they throw Joe into the mix. And, and I just really like the possibilities of what he can add to this um do you put him on a third line and play him with a guy like bennett or are you putting him as your fourth line center or putting him on a wing with like noel chari like i know you got to find the right fit but i don't think he belongs in the top six no i agree i don't think he's a top six guy i do think that he should be in your top nine Okay. But I, I think the other part of it is, like you said, it's finding that home for him. And if he's suiting or playing a better role in just, you know, 
that fourth line center role, just, you know, with the older guys. Like, I don't think that's bad either, but I do think that this team has enough talent that he should be in the top nine and be able to do something. Yeah, you could probably do, because uh, Barkov, you know, Carter Verhage is pretty underrated. I like him. So him and Barkov had good chemistry last year. So you have Verhage and Barkov, probably Duclair as one line. And then you have Huberdeau, Reinhardt, and Hornquist as your second line. And then your third line could be Thornton, uh, Bennett, and Tippett. Yeah, I'll say, and Bennett's like a tough prick to play against. Like, like he plays yeah. a mean game. So, I mean, so you put him Joe, with Jumbo Joe. Yeah, but no, like, you put them together. I mean, and Tippett's one of those guys who's like a fire hydrant. Like, hey, you're not going to go in there and move him. Like, that's a tough fucking third line to play against. Yeah, and then you can have, now you can release Barkov from being the distributor on a power play, and you can get his right-hand shot to rip one-timers from Joe, who plays off the half-wall. I mean, can you imagine Jumbo just playing that half-wall? Like, he won't even have to move at this point. He would just yeah. be there sticking out. It'll just be cross-eye sauce to somebody just banging it home, and the big fucking beard will be smiling coming across <laughs> the ice. Nice tan going on. Maybe that's what it is, Jumbo with the tan. You know, he didn't have the tan last year in Toronto, so now that the tan would be back, he'll finally get back to that level of play. It'd be funny to see if he spends a year in South Florida and then he shaves his beard and he just has the, like, you and I have had this problem in the past, but you have the nice deep brown tan cheeks and then pale <laughs> as fuck jawbone. I've had that issue. I mean, the only thing that usually saves me is the fucking red rosy cheeks. <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, everything else more towards the jaw is very white. But just getting back to the Florida forward group, like, and then you follow it up with the fourth line of uh, Lundberg, Achari, and Marchman, who that's just a, a banger of a fourth line in terms of physicality. That's a pretty nice forward group that Florida's going to be running out there this year. Like that Reinhardt uh, trade solidified it even further. But I think Bennett is going to do well in Florida, continuous play that he had uh, after he was still from Calgary. They get. Ekblad back. Now you know that you have uh, a legitimate another top pair guy in uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. Not Mathis and he got dealt. Montour? Uyghur? Uyghur, thank you. Mackenzie Uyghur. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, like you said, Montour, like you have spent uh, even if Bob isn't prime years Bob, you have Spencer Knight who can slide up right on in and fill that role. So I think Florida is going to contend with Tampa for the division title next year. I think Ekblad not being there in the playoffs really hurt them. I think that yeah. would have been possibly the the one that got them past Tampa. And then after that, who knows? I mean, yeah. obviously we could argue them putting Bobrovsky and killed them. That That's neither here nor there now. I know that that Ekblad injury killed them. I've heard rumors, rumblings that by the end of Spencer Knight's entry-level deal, uh, the Panthers have already planned to buy Bobrovsky out, just with the way his play has been. Obviously, mm. that is a cap nightmare for them. Especially with uh, Barkov coming up, and then uh, Verhage is... I know he got a nice, like, kind of, a little bit of a bridge deal, but you're going to have to pay him if he keeps up his play. I think Reinhardt's a free agent after the season. Um, no, they just signed him, right? Three no, years. they just signed him, yeah, three years. 
Okay, so he's taken care of. But yeah, you're going to have to sign Barkov, and he's going to get a big-time raise from his $5.9 million a year that he gets now. Yeah, I think he's in for a hefty raise down there. Like, he's going to get like $10 million a year. I'd say, I don't know if they would go 10, because obviously 10 and Bob was not a good number. Probably like 8, 8, 5. If they're going to have to overpay to keep him, though, because you don't have the track record of being of a Boston where you can say, take a little less money. Why would you want to leave this situation? Like Barkov could get paid $9, $10 million and go to a legitimate contender that's there year in and year out. No, that's true, too. I just think that I think Barkov and Huberdo are... They have a very tight bond together. Obviously, they're both paid the same thing. Uh, Huberdo has one more year at 5'9", and then he'd be UFA after that. So I, I could see them taking almost identical deals to stay there. They'd like still have... Solani. Yeah, I mean, they'd still have Reinhardt. Um, I, I'm assuming Hornquist would probably stay down there. That's up to them if they want to keep him or if he wants to take a pay cut. They'd still have Sam Bennett on the thing. They'd still have Duclair. Like, I, I think that they're finally starting to build something there, and people are there for the long term. So... Maybe that alters them, but at the same time, if they're buying out Bob and the cap is tight, I, I don't know if people are taking... Who do you choose, Barkoff or Huberdeau? <sighs> Fuck. Um, me, personally, I like Huberdeau. I would have to take Barkoff just because of the position. No, no, I, I know you're a big center guy. I just love... <laughs> I love Huberdeau. I've always loved, like he's a silky player, man. Like yeah, he is smooth. Underrated. Yeah, and that's one of those things. And, and it sucks for these two guys too, because I mean, probably the two most underrated guys in the league: Patrice Bergeron, Barkov, Huberdeau. If Barkov played on Chicago, he would have the same level of reverence around the league, at least media-wise, as Taves has. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Like, that's how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so and they still have a couple forward prospects that if they move on from a guy like Hornquist and then Thornton's gone after the year, Krugadanko's there, they have a few forward prospects besides Tippett that are going to be coming up that can fill those roles. So they're not going to be a one-year wonder. They might have a three-, three four-year window here. I, I hope so. Like I said, I, I think they're finally in the right direction, which – I think for this team is crucial because, I mean, we had this team sold and moving somewhere. Yeah, they just got to stick with the uh, reverse retros that they wore last year as their primaries. I, I agree, and that should definitely take them to a higher love. <laughs> Baby, uh, uh, uh. Now, Anyways. my question is, if they have a three-year window of playing really well, going on deep playoff runs, maybe a Stanley like a final appearance, maybe a Stanley like a final championship. Does that change anything for the fan base? Besides, like, those three years, they sell out, and then once they suck again, where they start going on a decline, everybody gives up on them, because that area is such front-running fan bases, man. No, I mean, I agree. You're not going to hear any fucking rebuttal from me. No, that's, that's them spot on. Like... It's just terrible to think that you can have... Because you look at Tampa, everybody used to shit on Tampa, even going back to 04. And then when I moved to Florida, and I lived in Tampa for those two years, I would go to Lightning games and go... And this is when they weren't good. And I was like, man, this place sells out. Like, everywhere you would go, you'd see Tampa Bay Lightning stuff, people in Lightning gear. Like, Tampa Bay it worked out as a hockey market. Yeah, they sell out every night. Yep. And then even when they missed the playoffs... They're fine. 
Florida, if you don't win the Stanley Cup, they don't care about you. Like, that's a tough market to be in long term. <laughs> and uh, in fairness, too, you said if they don't, if you don't win the Stanley Cup, they don't care about you. Probably even if you do win the Stanley Cup, they don't care about you. I mean, it took them to draw Tampa in the first round to sell that place out. Yeah, and to be honest, nothing. I wonder if the Panthers ever won a Stanley Cup, I wonder if it would be as embarrassing or more embarrassing with the Stanley Cup parade than the Anaheim Ducks who had it in a, in a parking lot. And like a thousand people showed up. That's a good question. I remember, uh, so when I was working at the rink in Cambridge, we had uh, Sean Thornton. It was his first year in from uh, Anaheim. And yeah. you know, we were kind of just shooting the shit as we were skating around. And uh, we asked him, like, Thornton, what was it like winning the cup out there? And he's like, winning the cup itself, he's like, incredible. He goes, we were going out there with the Stanley Cup. He goes, and these people thought it was like a fucking rec men's league trophy. He was like, they had no idea what it was. He's like, we're, we're down on the beach partying like rock stars. They're like, oh, look at these guys. That's awesome. They, they won their men's league. So he's like, you know, it's definitely a, a different world from Anaheim to Boston. He goes, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, he was just saying. Like, Anaheim gets a cup, but I'm sitting here fucking crying myself to sleep waiting for the Rangers to win one. Yeah, no, but it was like one of those things. He's like, I can't wait to see what the party's like here if we win one. And I was like, fuck, me too, pal. Me and too. That party uh, was off. That, that was a good party. That was a good party. It, it got to the point where even the other Bruins players had to tell Tyler and Marshan, like, all right, it's over. Like, yeah. We have to get ready for next season. Guys, you have to go home. Yeah, I think we had the uh, – it was the 7 or 14-day evacuation plan, and I think after day 10 they were like, boys, summer's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know besides the Thornton signing with Florida, I mean, things have been pretty slow, but – there were a couple moves in the goalie market. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that. We had UC Soros signing an extension with Nashville. I think it was 4-20. and 4-20, and yep. Uh, and then we had Igor Shosturkin with the Rangers getting $5.6 million a year for four years. Uh, with, I know he has a lot of potential, and he's played well in the games that he has played in, but getting – I mean, he signed before Soros did, but still Soros ending up below Shosturkin was a surprise to me. Um, and then what was the other goalie signing? Uh, Is that it? I don't know. I, I thought that was the only two we had. No, I, I know we talked earlier about uh, Saros and Olmark signing oh, for Olmark. the yeah, signing for the same price. Which to me, I mean, I would sign Saros higher than Olmark, but uh, I'm assuming this is part of the Nashville culture that's there, and maybe this is UC in the other sense of like, hey, I understand this is my first real shot at it so maybe it's nerves maybe it's excitement and maybe on the other end it's just i know that we're in a tough spot and we're trying to get our way out of it and if i have to take a little bit less i'll take a little bit less so i want to see at the end of these deals right so we'll go four years down the road who would you want in net shashirkin olmark or saros Shesterkin. I think Shesterkin is going to have a few uh, top three Vezina runs in them. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that the Bruins are going to hand it over to Swayman. So, like, I, I don't know where to put Olmark. And the one thing I have about Saros is that I do think he's a little undersized. Yeah, I mean, he had a rough start to the year last, last season before really picking it up. So it's not like he's been lights out and say, like, okay, we got him on a great on a great 
team-friendly deal, it's there's still a little bit of risk because if he ends up being a 9-10 save percentage guy, that's pretty much league average at this point. Yeah, agreed. So there's still a little bit of risk on Nashville's end, so maybe that's why he came in a little under. I think the Rangers ended up paying for... I mean, I guess they're handling it right. You're paying for expected production instead of past production. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, when it comes to goals against, I mean, Shashirkin's kind of middle of the pack. I mean, granted, we've discussed the team that you had, and now with a new coach and a new system coming in, you're obviously hoping for better. But if he comes in and he's still middle of the pack, goals goals against and save percentage, I, your backup plan in Georgiev is kind of already out the window because he's already lost his mind because he's going to be a backup. So it's like I just don't know where you guys would go from there. I think with Igor, the biggest thing is his health. He's been a little injury-prone since he came over to us. Uh, nothing super serious, but like little things here and there that things him up. The car accidents in Brooklyn. You know, just the little uh, things. Well, Pavel's in St. Louis now, so we don't have to worry about him driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with Shesterkin, if he's healthy, I mean, like we mentioned the last episode, we have the Olympics this year, so a lot of goalies are going to be splitting 55-45 instead of the normal like 60-30 split. Why Why we no go Brooklyn no more? <laughs> so, in a normal year with no Olympics, let, let's just use next seat, not this coming season, the season after. I wouldn't be surprised if Shister can get you 60 starts, like a, a 210 goals against average, and a 925, 930 save percentage. Uh, that's better than average. Yeah, so he has an in him. It's just for me, I think it's a matter of health with him. All right, and where do we want to go next? I think we got to touch on the ads on the jerseys. So if you haven't heard the news, the NHL Board of Governors approved uh, each team is going to be allowed starting in 2022 to have one uh, sponsor patch on the shoulder of each uniform. And it's slightly, for reference, it's slightly larger, the parameters, than the NBA logo. sponsor logo so if you want to take a look at for example you can look at the golden state warriors and see uh i think they have kaiser permanente as their jersey sponsor you can take a look and see that the size of that it's going to be a little bigger on nhl jerseys but to me it stands out so much more no matter what size it is on an nhl jersey because you're used to the sweater being revered you see the logo if it's their a leader on a team, a C or an A, and then a name on the back, and that's it. To see Chase on a Ranger jersey or Delta or whatever on a uniform is going to be really weird. I mean, it helps revenue, I guess. They limit it to one, and it blends with the jersey well. I guess I'm a, I'm okay with it. I'm not happy about it. But if they start, oh, yeah, the first one went really well, so now we can put one on the rear of the neck. That's another spot we can put a logo. Then I'm going to start getting... There's going to be a revolt. Yeah, no, I, I'm not okay with that. I, I'm okay with the one, and that's it. I think... So, you look at European soccer, right? And yeah. the, the front of these jerseys change. You know, if, say, Chevy was Manchester United's, you know, person, they buy it for two years, and then after that they can re-up or it goes to someone else. But I, I do think it's cool in the sense of, like, you like, oh, shit, you, you had that uh, 2022 jersey? Like, I thought that jersey was dope. Like, oh, yeah, well, this is that 2027. You know, you, you can distinguish between them, which I think is cool. But, no, one ad, that's it. 
We're I not adding more. Monster. Uh, who, it's probably TD Bank again. I mean, we, we usually don't flourish or go too far outside. <laughs> you don't want Sullivan Tire? <laughs> no, Sullivan, Sullivan Tire would be great. But, uh, no, I just don't want insanity. I am okay with one on the corner of the chest. Like that's okay. I didn't think the helmets, uh, the helmet ads were that bad. Are they keeping the helmets in addition to the shoulder? I think pads? they're. I think this year they're keeping the helmets, and then next year they're going to the shoulders. Okay, so starting next year, either way, it's only going to be one ad on the entire uniform. It's either helmet or or jersey. Correct. That's what I believe it is. Um, and now. The other part for me is this. Uh, they said this is because of the revenue split with the owners, yada, 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 because the players aren't having their thing anymore. This is my problem. We are never, and I and I legitimately never, we're never going to get out of this owner-player escrow crunch ever. This has been a thing that has tortured the NHL for years. Now it almost seems that, remember last year? Oh, the players owed a billion-dollar debt to the owners. That's why we started with the helmets. This year, I read the same thing. Well, these ads are coming back because the players have a billion-dollar debt to the owners. We just signed a massive, massive hockey deal with ESPN. We just signed a massive thing so we can have NHL Tonight board on TNT or whatever the fuck it is. So... Where is all this money now disappearing to? Because it seems like the number stays at a billion. I think it probably the, the league office would say something about the loss of gate revenue, and that's what contributed to the players owing a billion this year because of the gate revenue losses and everything else. And if that is just sim- simplistic or just you know referencing last year. I'm okay with it, but it seems like this number never changes. Yeah. That's my issue, is that it's always a billion. It's always a billion. It's always the players owe a billion. It's like, so the players never give you any fucking money? Like, I'm confused. Like, so never? So so why do you own the, yeah, so why do you own the team for if you never make any fucking money? If I owned a team, I'd want to make money. Well, this is going to be the test this year because... I know the Delta variant's going around, but pretty much you're not going to be able to go to games unless you're vaccinated. So it's going to be full attendance, fully vaccinated, full gate revenue, going to have a normal season. They're going to have the new TV deal. They have the Stanley Cup playoffs, all this stuff. If they say again next offseason, hey, listen, we need to keep the flat cap. Uh, you guys owe a billion. Then we're going to know something's up. The only thing I'm concerned about is doesn't it just seem like they're laying the groundwork for keeping the, it as a change in the way the cap is calculated? Like, instead of using hockey-related revenue, they're going to be like, listen, it's just going to be based on something that... It just seems weird that they're keeping a flat cap for the next two seasons when they don't even know what the revenue is this year. Well, yeah, I mean, they said the max the cap would go up till next year is $1 million. So yeah, just a like $1 million increase. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, b- before all this was happening, allegedly the NHL was going to about an $8 million a year increase in salary cap. Yeah, we're supposed to. So this this coming season, before everything went down, the uh, GMs around the league were expecting an $88 million salary cap. Now yeah. it's stuck at 81 and a half. Mm-hmm. 
were expecting to be able to keep at least one of Coleman and Goodrow. Yeah, and, the, and instead they had to lose both. Yeah. Yeah, and then they had to lose Tyler Johnson, and they had to lose uh, Yanni Gord. Like, <laughs> so that, that's I mean, a tough summer for Tampa. Gets a little Tampa. payback for being winning a cup eighteen million dollars over the cap, I guess. Oh, there we go, eighteen. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, stick to one. I'm glad it's either it's not going to be helmet and jersey because then you start looking a little shitty. Um, but yeah, it should just be able to blend in. I don't even want to notice it because there was a big deal in baseball when Nike took over jersey production that the Nike swoosh was going to be on the front shoulder of all jerseys. And, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, timeless jerseys, you never saw anything on there except for the logo and the numbers. I don't even notice the swoosh on the Yankee jerseys anymore. So, I mean, it's pretty small on all around, but I hope it gets to that point with these uh, sponsor logos, and it's not something that anytime you see a replay, you're just like, oh, Chase, God damn it. Well, that's like the other thing, too. And I mean, I don't want to carry on with this, but it's like you look at all the board advertisement, you look at all the in stadium advertisement, you look yeah. at the on ice advertisement, you look behind the bench advertised, the little runners that they have, and now they have them behind the glass where the goalies are, where I, I've yeah, seen them in MSG, yeah, like superimposed on there. And it's like, at what point is it going to end? And I hope that these are just one standard thing on one part of the jersey that stay a certain size, and that's it. I don't want them looking like European League jerseys. I don't want them looking like European uh, soccer jerseys. Yeah. I want these to be clean, crisp, and like you said before, respectful of the logo in the name and all the tradition that has been brought before them, I want them to blend in and I want them to look nicey nice. Yep. <laughs> well, you're gonna have uh, the New York Rangers presented by Chase. Oh and yeah. Then, I wonder what the divisions are gonna be this year. Yeah, then they're gonna be you, a team's gonna win a Stanley Cup. You're gonna have the uh, the horns gonna sound. You're gonna see the pile up. You and then you're gonna go to the commercial. And then when you come back from commercial, ESPN is gonna say. And now we head to the ice for the official Stanley Cup presentation presented by Jiffy Lube. Or or it's going to be officially called this year. It'll be called, like, hey, we're going to present to you the Discover Stanley Cup. But the next year will be the MasterCard yeah. Stanley Cup. <laughs> if that, dude, if that happened, I would, like, I would rain hell upon the league office here in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so, as we mentioned the last time we recorded, you know, we're in the dog days of summer. We have a few moves here and there, uh, but pretty much the way I know the Jack Eichel situation is still sitting out there, um, but for the most part, the f- team you're a fan of, that's the team that's going to be entering camp. I wouldn't expect too much crazy stuff going on between now and uh, mid-September. So with the lack of movement, we figured we'd spend th- this podcast, the next podcast, talking about some random topics that have nothing to do with the news of the day or the news of the month. And this episode, we figured we'd talk about, if we were commissioner for a day, what are a few things that we would do immediately because we have unilateral power? What are some things we would change? What are some things we would alter, whether it's rules, uh, where teams play, things like that? Um, so I think with the way my brain works and your brain works, this could be fun just going off of if it's feasible if you're on board with it and what do you hate about it <laughs> all right um 
We heard this one last week on Missing Curfew, but I thought this was a great one. And it was Gary Bettman gets torched every time. Any time it's there to present the Stanley Cup, this poor guy is getting lit up left and right. He introduces Seattle. He gets booed right from the get-go for bringing hockey to him. And they brought up a great point as to how cool would it be if the Boston Bruins win the Stanley Cup in... Here comes Bobby Orr walking this thing out there to give it to Patrice Bergeron. Like, I think that would be incredible. Ray Bork doing the same thing. And you brought up a great point when I had spoken to you about maybe it'd be like the Masters where the captain of the year before hands out the Stanley Cup, kind of like a passing of the torch. Like, I think shit like that would be awesome. Because it's always the same thing with Gary. It's always the awkward hold because he's about four foot two holding the thing, looking up at him. And he wants to get his photo. And then he uh, he sits there. So he shakes the hand. They take the picture. And then he can turn and tell the guy, oh, congratulations, take it away. And the guy's like ripping it out of Gary's hands with Gary with him. Like, I want want something different. I, I think that would make for... A lot better because then it's like excitement in the sense like if you don't do the captain from the year before it'd be like oh dude who do you think who do you think's handing out the cup this year like I think that would be cool not like Nashville who's going to be the national anthem singer like who do you think's handing out the Stanley Cup yeah the other thing for me if with my idea of having the previous year's champion the captain handing the cup off what about the visual of if it's a defending Stanley Cup champion losing in the Cup final, and then at, right after you lose, you take your helmet off and you have to present the Stanley Cup to the captain and the team that just beat you? I mean, you got to shake their hand. That playoff tradition never lists. So, I mean, I think that's another one of those things, man. Yeah, so that was an interesting. That was a good conversation starter with us over text when Curfew came out with that. Either way, I think I'd be happy with it. It is funny. It's like a tradition now, like the uh, Goodell getting booed at the draft with uh, with the NFL. So anytime, I mean, Bettman got booed in Seattle. They haven't played a game yet. <laughs> yeah, he brought the team there and they booed him. I loved every second of it. So, yeah, I think we agree on that one. Like, it would be fun to either alternate between legends handing it off or previous team captain. But, yeah, Gary should, the next time Gary does it should be his the final year of his commissionership and then he just does it because it's like we give him a lot of shit but the game's grown a lot underneath him oh no that, that, that's true I, I i know that i'm not giving him anything on that but i think it's just nice to torture him here and there too yeah uh so that was one for me as well to bring up the other one i wanted to bring up was starting day one a rule change i'm making is you get called for icing even if you're on a penalty kill Oh, okay. You, you can't just shoot the puck down because, one, that's going to create scoring opportunities and let power plays actually be power plays. And, two, now you're going to want to ha- see a few more skilled guys out on a penalty kill, like Zibanejad, who can actually carry the puck and lug it out into the center ice and just softly dump it down versus a fourth liner who's only on the ice because he's willing to throw his body in front of the puck and he just fucking hammers it down the ice. So it might it'll lead to a few more scoring opportunities, and then also you'll see more talented guys out there on ice more often as a fan, especially if you're paying big money to go see it versus 
seeing Ryan Reeves out on the PK. Great. Awesome. So, you know what, though? Like, a good PK that makes my dick hard, though. Like, a nice, like, block, shut that bitch down, put it down the ice. Like, fucking right, boys. Let's kill this one for whoever's in the box. Like, I love that. Yeah, but the best PK is a short, short-handed goal. You're going to have more of an opportunity with that with... Oh, well, we got Brad Barshan, so we do pretty good with that. That's what I'm saying. Like, your top two forwards, Bergeron, Bergeron and Marchand, are on a PK anyway. But I'm talking about teams who, like, you look at, let's say, Calgary. Like, now you'll get Kachuk out there all the time and Monahan out there all the time versus fourth liners, like Leach and stuff. So I think that was one thing. You, you also help incentivize the team on a power play because now more often than not they'll get almost a full two minutes of power play time versus they if they lose the opening face off 20 seconds are killed off the clock because they have to skate back get it get back on side lug it back in set up again so it's not not, not as much of a power play as it could be all right well i i got one and i was thinking about this and i'm going uh, i think it would be cool obviously you'd have to see all the numbers to make sure it all would all work but I think there needs to be a team in every province in Canada. And I think we need one in Nova Scotia, probably Halifax. It's over there, probably the biggest. Halifax, yeah. Saskatchewan. But, like, could you imagine Sidney Crosby? He's not ending his career as a penguin. He's going to play in Halifax. As a guy who's from Nova Scotia being, you know, the one who came out of there. He'd sell that barn out every night. That's like the hometown boy, the golden boy. They would go. Nathan McKinnon, the same thing. Like, I just think that there's certain ways the NHL can expand. We've talked about Quebec in the past, that they should have a team back there. I think Halifax is another place that I know it's a lot more for summer, at least for the NHL guys. It's more of a summer retreat. But I just think it would be great for every single province in Canada to have one. Just, they bleed the game. I understand the Canadian dollar shit. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not naive. I understand it's going to be hard to put a fucking full-time team in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Like, I understand that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, if there was a way to get ticket sales to a certain price, get people in there to get it going, like... Yes, it would be good. I understand that it snows like a bastard, so it's not going to be uh, the most ideal weather conditions. You know, you look at Winnipeg, and that's always a shit show every year when teams go in there and it's negative 18. So, yeah, no, I, I just think as a fan and a standpoint of where the players are from and everything else, I think that would be a great take. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if they can make it work financially, I think that would be great. Um, especially, like you said, Nova Scotia, because... They're always talking if you expand to Canada, there it's either a second team in Toronto or back to Quebec. You never see Nova Scotia, so it'd be cool to see even smaller markets of Canada, even smaller than Edmonton and Winnipeg, uh, getting a shot. Uh, I mean, they almost moved to Saskatchewan back in the day in the mid, early mid nineties. They almost got an expansion team, so it almost happened. I mean, the uh, WHL, the Saskatoon Blades, there stole them, so. <laughs> um, I have one more rule change uh, before I get to the real fun stuff. Uh, I'm getting rid of the delay game penalty when you shoot it over the glass. Like I hate that penalty. I, I don't. I don't want it deciding potentially deciding a Stanley Cup champion because a guy gets bodied as he tries to gently lift the puck out of the zone. 
and because he gets bodied, the puck just clears the glass, and now it's a two-minute PK. Like, face-off, offensive zone, get like just get it over with. Like, guys aren't clearing it into the stands on purpose. Like, even when we were growing up, guys didn't really do that. I think there's a difference, though, with that rule where the NHL needs to be better at it, where, you know what, there are some guys that are straight up and over, and I have no problem penalizing that, but, like, one where friggin', like, the puck is on its way, like, downward, and the guy kind of, like, whacks it out of the air, and it goes, it's like, come on, like, you know, be a little bit better, and in today's age where we have video review for everything, like, why not use it? You know, you can make a judgment call like, no, this thing was coming down. He kind of just took a whack at it. No, this guy had the puck on his stick on the ice, and he went straight up and over. Like, I just yeah, think I there's if differences. Yeah, I that gets too into of judgment calls and stuff where... You know what, though? Then call Toronto. What do you think? You know what? It's one part. You're in charge. You make the rules. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just... I hate the idea of... It's not like... A penalty being called that doesn't obstruct a scoring chance, that isn't clutch and grab, that isn't a high stick that injures somebody, it isn't a board deciding a potential must-win game or game seven or a Stanley Cup champion because a guy flipped the puck over, over the glass. Well, that's what happened with Vegas and Whitehead in the bubble there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it, a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like that shouldn't have happened in my mind. Um, do you have another one? Uh, another one I had, and I mean, uh, I think we're kind of transitioning to it now anyways, but regardless, the NHL should go to the Olympics every time. There is okay. no reason why they can't go. I know it's the money thing. I know it's this. I know it's that. with I mean, like, I understand the insurance policies. Like, I'm not naive to that. I get that whole part of it. But at the same time, when your number one job is to grow this game worldwide, at the Winter Olympics... The NHL, the hockey, is the best take there, by far. It's non-negotiable. It's by far the best thing there. And when it usually ends up being USA, Canada, you know, you get your big your big dogs from Sweden there, your big dogs from Russia there, like, you know, those top four countries are superstars. They're names. They're, they're what is going to grow and sell this game for you. And when we're always having a battle as to go or to not to go, it drives me crazy. Do I think the Olympics should pay the NHL to bring the players over there? Yes, because yeah. technically the Olympics is getting rich off of you and your game. But at the same time, you that is your opportunity to grow. So they have to find some middle ground and make it happen. I know that next year they are going, but I, I just want it to be a, a little more cut and dry. Like, it, it's just... You know what? Tell the Olympics this is how much we want. We're not being greedy. We're not being outrageous. You guys make money hand over fist. This is all we want. We're shutting down our league. You know, the the Summer Olympics has NBA players in the summertime, not during their season. You're going during our season. This is what we want. Hit the number or don't. And at least then we can say we weren't outrageous. We asked the Olympics for $50 million. They told us to go pound sand. We told them, all right, we'll give it 25 but we personally want to broadcast these games, or whether it's ESPN or NHL Network, they told us pound sand. We told them to fuck off. We're doing our season. And I got no problem with that. The only thing I, I'm more concerned about, and I can see the owner's point of view, is if Crosby gets hurt in the Olympics and he's out for the rest of the season, if you're the Penguins and the Penguins owner, 
if you're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, now your season's in the tank because your star player got hurt not even playing for you. Oh, no. And, I mean, that, that was what happened to Tavares when they went to Sochi. He ended up blocking that shot, and yeah. the, it, it kind of ruined the Islanders' year. But I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's like I understand player, team, that's where you get your paycheck. But, I mean, I think the other problem is if you asked any player whether they would win a Olympic gold for their country or the Stanley Cup, they all want the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So that's the only other part of it. Unless you're Ovechkin. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's probably paid to say that. Yeah. Um, another change that I would make is the point system. Okay. So I would change it where if you win in regulation, you get three points. If you win in overtime, you get two points. If you lose at any point, you get zero. No loser point, that's gone. You lose, you get nothing. So that will help eliminate all these teams that have buoyed into the last few weeks of the season because of the loser point. And I'm, I'm assuming Batman would say that's the whole point because it keeps fans interested. But to me, it just kind of dilutes the regular season, and it also makes teams play, hey, listen, let's just, there's a minute left in overtime. Let's just play it out. But if you risk losing in a shootout, which is something that ought to be on a chopping block too, um, you get zero points, you're, you're going to play harder for that point because you rather walk away with two than nothing. So I think a point adjustment, the system should be adjusted for the points. And are you still keeping the shootout as well? or That's the thing because... I could see why you keep it because if you have casual fans, especially if when you're live in the arena versus watching on TV, it's exciting for the casual fan and it gives them something else to talk about besides just being like, I'm here to see a fight. Like if you see a shootout, you see some skill that could be fun and exciting. But I also see the point of it's like ending a baseball game with a home run derby. Um, so maybe you do bring ties back and it's three points for a win at any point of the of the game, two points for an OT win, and then uh, then if you come into, uh, no points for a tie. How about that? No. Okay. Nobody gets a point if you tie. You only get a point if you win. That's it. Three points regulation, two points OT, nothing for any type of tie or loss. All right. Um. I think, and I mean, hopefully with the NHL now going to ESPN, we're going to start seeing more of it. But I think the NHL needs more accessibility behind the scenes. And I'm hoping that now with NHL on ESPN and ESPN Plus, the fans will finally get that. They'll get a lot more mic'd up from the guys. They'll see how the guys are in the locker room. Like, I, I think this is the time for the NHL to shine. I think they're finally there. And I'm just hoping that they can follow through with it. And I know this isn't a rule change or an altering of the league, but it's like, to me, it's a more right now, don't drop the fucking ball. Like, you're right there. Don't drop the ball. Yeah, they need to have, like, this sports center commercials with these guys. They need to have these guys making appearances on... There should be... There's going to be at least one major hockey segment on every show throughout the day on ESPN. That's what they confirmed that already. They should have a player on there, whether it's 
uh, like a call in, I mean a video in, like video interview or in studio talking to these guys where their helmets are off and their names are getting out there versus just, hey Pierre, oh uh, yeah, you know, we're out here, we're playing a good team tonight, got a four check hard and, you know, uh, play our game. Thanks Pierre, have a good one. Yeah, just gotta get pucks deep, that's all. Yeah, get pucks deep, play hard, you know, stay hard in the body, you know, play good defense. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, bullshit. I agree though. They need to do a better job of marketing against these guys out there. Uh, I have another one just kind of based off that a little bit different, but uh, the NHL needs to bring back the fun and excitement that used to be the NHL All-Star Weekend. Like, when we were growing up, I know that the players were completely different, but, like, we had Lemieux. We had Yager. Like, we had these guys going to all these skills competitions. The All-Star game was fun. It seems like it's completely lost its luster. And to me, it's like, you need something new to get back in there. Yeah, and I mean, it did help because we were spoiled growing up when you had Messier, Bork, Lemieux, Gretzky, all at the All-Star game. And now, I mean, you have guys like Crosby and Taves and Kane who are legitimate, like, franchise forwards and some of the best players of this generation, but... It's not the same weight. No, it's so, not. Yeah, so I agree. I also think that I don't know what the right format is. I don't like the current format. Um, I don't like the U.S. versus the world that they tried. Remember that? North America versus the world. Yep. Um, East-West could get kind of boring. I, I, I don't know what the right setup. I mean, no all-star game is, like, universally loved. Like, nobody watches the Pro Bowl. Nobody cares about the NBA All-Star Game. The MLB All-Star Game is the one that's watched the most because it's the only thing going on in the summer. Um, so I don't think anything is perfect, but I don't know what you do for the actual game itself uh, to make it more interesting and more of a, a draw for the casual fan. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I'd have to sit and like legitimately like think about as to what it would or wouldn't be, but like they, there needs to be some sort of difference. Needs a little bit more spice. Yeah, I agree with that. And the skills competition, I, I think the two best things about the skills competition are the accuracy contest mm -hmm. and the fastest skater. Yeah. The rest of the stuff, let's spice it up a little bit here. Like, get some more shit going on. Like, maybe you can do trick shots. Yeah, they did the trick shots for, like, it was, like, two years, and then they got rid of them. Like, I don't know yeah. why. Like, go into the stands and shoot it over a glass, bounce it off a chair, into a net. Like. <laughs> Play horse, yeah, do something. Yeah, exactly. So, I agree. That could be spiced up. Um, I, like I said, I just don't know what you can do for the actual game itself. Um, my last one that I have is sort of changing the NHL draft lottery. And here's how I change it. Yeah, hold on. Before you go, I had changing the lottery as well, so we'll see if we're kind of on the same thing here. Okay. So, here's how I change it. The team that won the Stanley Cup picks first. Like out of a hat, or they get the number one overall? They get the number one overall. The team that finishes with the worst record picks last. No more tanking, baby. There's no point in tanking. And then at the end of the season, even if you're the 11th place team, you're battling for those points because you want to move up in the draft standings. Now, you say Stanley Cup champion number. So, I mean, what about like president's trophy winner so does it just all come down to playoffs and where people fall off or 
so it goes so the Stanley Cup champion picks first, uh, the Stanley Cup loser picks second, and then after that, it's based on regular season point totals. Okay, so one, two, and then whatever the original. Yeah. Was. So okay. if you're a president's trophy winner and you don't win a Stanley Cup, you pick third. Not a bad day at the office, though. No. No. So, I think they have it backwards in terms of if you want to get rid of tanking, they'll get rewarded for finishing the worst in the league. And if you finish worst in the league multiple years in a row, and then you complain about, we, no, we're really struggling here, and we're not getting any help in a draft because we're picking last. We'll do better with your current roster construction, and maybe you'll be able to compete a little bit more, get a higher pick. Does doesn't sound too crazy, right? So that's how I would change NHL draft. I, I mean, I was not going that way. I was just thinking <laughs> that the lottery needs to be a little bit better, but like that's fucking. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how would you, how would you update it? I don't know if I'd do that because I mean <laughs> I, I feel bad for certain teams that uh, like Detroit for example. Detroit had it good for so many years. Guys started retiring on them. They kind of weren't ready for that turnaround. And I mean their own fault. Not, not blaming anybody else. But now they've kind of been bottom of the barrel. Stevie Wise come in is kind of little by little, kind of building them back up again. They need they need a draft pick. Um, but in my example, all those years that they were at top of the league winning uh, Stanley Cups, to be getting the blue chip. Well, I was gonna say e- even now, I mean, they would probably still be elite. I mean, you could you imagine yeah. like a Detroit with McDavid, like oh, that's awful. But yeah, uh, you, look at, you look at a team like Pittsburgh. If you want to go retro here, they never end up with Lemieux or Crosby. Yeah, changes the whole the whole outlook. Yeah, Buffalo isn't getting Eichel. They're, Edmonton isn't tanking all those years and getting first overall picks. But can you imagine Edmonton being that fucking bad? Like, they weren't even getting first overalls. They still sucked for that long. Like, Yeah. Would there have to be, like, a rule, though? Like, if you finish dead last, like, five years in a row, then you can get the first overall pick? Because, I mean, at that point, you're not tanking. You just suck. So it's not even about that. It's you get penalized for not being able to field a competitive team whether it's on purpose or by accident and if it's by accident then you shouldn't have a job anymore now just throwing it out there i know we can't do it because of the way that the nhl is set up and how it's affiliated with the ahl but wouldn't it be awesome if there was like a league right below the nhl like the top three to the bottom three teams relegated like dude that changes everything i that would be i think hockey would be the only sport that might be able to pull it off because you can't do it in baseball uh football like you're maxed out they don't have a developmental league and you're not going to have like random expansion cities basketball can't do it either hockey is really the only one that w- would be set up to potentially have something like that and i think that'd be dope if they could do something like that because like you said a that eliminates the tanking but b like you're begging to be you know, the 26th team. You know, like, just give me two points to just get not go below this. Well, think of it this way. Using Detroit as an example, for the 25 years they made the playoffs straight. Mm-hmm. They're getting, let's say, top five picks, top six picks for 20 years straight. At some point during those 20 years, their AHL team is going to be better than the worst team in the league. So you would have the Red Wings playing in the NHL and then their AHL team playing in the NHL. 
well, if you could alter it like that, that'd be cool. I just don't. The only problem would be if, God forbid, there's an injury or something, they're gonna go to the other team. Like, hey, Grand Rapids, we're taking your best player. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. So <coughs> we'd have to figure something out with those logistics, but it, that would be exciting. Can you imagine? It's the last game of the regular season, and the loser gets relegated. Yeah, like it's like the same effect if it's the last day of the season, and whoever wins the game out of the two people is going into the playoffs. It's the same oh, effect. Don't re- don't yeah. Remind me of that with the Rangers yeah. and Flyers. But uh, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I know feasibility-wise and competitive balance-wise, there'd probably be a lot to think about. Like you said, what happens if you just it gets implemented starting this coming season? And then you're Detroit, and you're like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> I think uh, one other thing I had, just because it used to drive me crazy, with the new breakups, it doesn't really happen anymore. But when it used to be just one through eight Eastern and Western Conference. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. I, I, I wanted to keep it to five for my list. That was the other thing, reformatting the playoffs. Oh, yeah, well, re- reformatting. But for me, one of them was... Just because you're a division leader does not mean you're automatically in in a top three spot. You you get in where you qualify for the dance. That's it. I, I don't care if you would have been number three because you're a division leader, but you're coming in the eighth seed. Like I honestly don't care because other teams get fucked. They, they get it shoved up their hoop. I don't like that. I think if you qualify for the dance, you qualify. If not, you stay home. That's it. Well, if that's the case, then do you even have divisions, or do you just have 16 teams in a conference? I, I think you just go conference, then. Yeah, then you have the conference champion, regular season conference champion, you get the first, uh, the first overall, and then everything else is just two through, two through eight. Yeah, like, and, I, and I don't think it's too crazy to think like that. It's just like I used to be so mad, like when Washington was still on the rise before they got to where they were, and they would be in the playoffs with 77 points. Oh, with the Southeast Division. Yeah, like it was just a joke, and it would like piss me off. So I just think that you need to qualify. I don't care how it stands. You know, you have an Eastern Conference, have a Western Conference. Obviously, you can break down quote-unquote divisions for playing purposes, but outside of that, I think if, if you have the points, you're in. Would you change the name of the divisions like back in the day and change it to like the Gretzky division, the Orr division? Ah, uh, no, that's way too complicated. I mean, if it was just Gretzky and Orr, that's fine, but I, I like if the Campbell division and all, no, like not Yeah, because the casual fan is probably like, what the fuck? How do I follow along? They're like, <laughs> soup. I didn't get soup. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I like that too. My only potential complaint with that is. If you keep the division format and you win a division, but you're not guaranteed a spot based on points, then what's the point of competing to win division? If you're in like a division that you know, you even if you win it, you're going to finish sixth in the conference. Then what's the point of winning the division? Well, I I used to just think like, what was the glorified purpose of a team that would have been five slots down, but they're number three because they won their division? It's like. So everyone else has to go fuck themselves? Like, I just, I don't uh, get it. No, I mean, the NBA does something similar where the top four, te- the three division winners are guaranteed a top four spot. But if you're a division winner and you have, uh, you win less games than the best non-division winner, they finish ahead of you. Yeah, we, we can negotiate. 
<laughs> but yeah, those are my changes. I'm glad. I was hoping I would get that reaction out of you when I talked about the draft positioning. <laughs> yeah, that would completely fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I had. I don't know if you had anything else. Uh, but if not, we can start heading into shoutouts. Oh, who would you like to shout out this week? I want to shout out uh, one, my brother uh, in Florida. He is moving back to New York. He got off the job that he interviewed for. He's going to be the head of robotics and automation for a brewery, uh, at least here in New York and the tri-state area. It's a major brewery, uh, brewing company. So he's going to be getting paid nicely, uh, living out in Westchester, living a life. Uh, so shout out to him for that and also helping out with the Cobster while I am in Greece starting in September. I'm what day is it? It's the 19th tomorrow. I'm down two weeks, baby. I'm down to a 14-day mark for that. Wow. Have, have we started packing yet or what? I pack, dude. I'm bringing one suitcase and a backpack. That's it. Yeah. And work's been so crazy. I haven't even spent time, like, booking things that I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to do deep-sea fishing when I'm on one of the islands. Uh, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff. I have to get... Get going with all that with the planning. Well, hey, every day, pal. Every day. Yeah. Um, other shout-outs? Nah, just give it to the coaster. She's passed out right next to me. Took her to McCarran Park here in Brooklyn earlier this evening, so that wore her out pretty well. Um, training her to be nice to the other dogs. Step-by-step, <laughs> step, pal. Yeah, she just barks at him. She doesn't actually get nasty or angry. She just barks. When, when we're on leash, she barks. When she's off leash, she doesn't care. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Dogs, man. They are yeah. unique breeds sometimes. But, yeah, so that's who I got. What about you? I sorry, I know you were uh, ordained for a wedding recently. I was ordained for a wedding. So, yeah, so last time we have spoken, I have married a couple. Uh, I went to Zach Brown Band at Fenway, which, by the way, anytime you can go see Zach Brown Band, go. Um, I liked their covers more than the concert of their own things. Their covers, they covered uh, Metallica. They did Enter Sandman. They did Sweet Caroline. They went all around to everybody in the band, individual, and they, they all covered a song. So we heard Black Betty. We heard Jump Around. We, like, it was insane, dude. So if Zach Brown Band ever just, like, did a cover tour and they were just going to go and sing others, so I would go. It was insanity. Um, I saw Modest Mouse last week. Uh, I wish I knew more of their songs. I was there, and I was there with Anna, and we are both like, we know two of your songs, we don't know any of these things, and everybody here is really young. <laughs> we, we just happen to be out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other shout-out I have this week is I officially have a four-year-old. Yes. And uh, that little girl, man... Um, She's a riot. Like, she's out of her mind. The sass that she gives me constantly is, I don't know if I look forward to it sometimes or sometimes I'm like, this girl. But um, It depends on how hot it was outside. It, it, yeah, that always depends on it. But, like, it was funny. We had someone there the other day, and he was like, dude, I love Emma. And I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, 
just the sass that she gives you. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, let's try this. Uh, hey, Emma. What? And he goes, that. I love that. And I'm like, oh, this girl, like, she Good beats, luck, dude, she beats to her own drum. Um, that woman is legitimately going to run the world one day. Like, I, I don't say it for fun. I, I mean it. And, and it's not going to be like president. It's going to be something higher than that. Like, she's legitimately going to run the world. Uh, the I like gr- that she's always in little booties. Oh, dude, she doesn't care. Like, the other day, she's outside in just undies in her, in her rain boots, just living the dream. <laughs> so, the girl does whatever she wants. It's Emma's world. We just live in it. And uh, she makes that known to us every day. But, yeah, my, my little girl is four. Uh, attitude and hair are as big as ever. But, uh, fuck, man, she's lucky she's cute. She is yeah, lucky she's cute. Say, she has an equally big smile. Yeah, dude, like, very happy child. Just does her thing and she is uh yeah emma is emma and that is the only way i can put it not a picky eater no dude chows chows like crushing food on saturday <laughs> but no i saw some of the photos she looked really happy had a lot of fun and i always loved the photos of her with food all over her face or jumping around in mud and rain puddles that's the, that's the girl to a t she's usually got sauce smeared all over her face or dirt there's usually food in her hair and uh just happy to be here yeah that's that's her i'm here so i don't get fined <laughs> that's yeah legit exactly <coughs> well that's what i got um Everybody, I hope this was good. I mean, we were kind of just spitfire there. I, I kind of like that part. We'll have to figure out another uh, episode before Ben leaves just to make sure that everyone gets their fix before he's gone and he leaves me here to fend for myself over division <laughs> matchups and ho- hopefully I can make it through. But uh, everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh have a good breakfast tomorrow as you're listening. You know, have a banana, have a bowl of cereal, wash your goddamn hands. And we'll catch you next time. in the summer. Another jam-packed up. my heartbeat sound. We fell in love as the leaves turned brown. And we could be together, baby, as long as skies are blue. You act so innocent now But you lied so soon When I met you in the summer